0: Your life's not like anyone else's, and chances are you've found yourself on adventures you never planned to take. It's all part of this crazy journey we call life. Learning how to embrace the unexpected while working to live your best life is not easy, but you've come to the right place. Because in my world, if it's highly unlikely, it's practically guaranteed to happen. I'm Lavina Perry, and this is the Highly Unlikely Podcast. Welcome to the Highly Unlikely Podcast. So glad that you could all be here with me today. This is a very exciting new venture and a little outbranching for the Highly Unlikely Life uh, website and Facebook page. Our audience has grown uh, we've got so many people now. It's so exciting, and I'm gonna start doing some podcast episodes. Give me another way to better connect with everybody, make it a little more personal, so you guys can get to know me and and what it is that I'm doing here, which is big step for me, and uh, pretty uh, excited to be able to add this this new piece of a highly unlikely life. Just want to start out today. Uh, we're hopefully getting ready to open up our our neighborhoods and our communities to be able to get back to some version of life that feels a little more normal, something far less restrictive, so that people can get back to work and be able to support their families. I know that not everybody's been able to work, and that's. Um, Big challenge. Uh, It's a big challenge for our entire country, not just for us individually. Um, I know at my place of employment, we have started doing a, a food drive. Our food pantries here have had a tremendous increase in demand. A lot of people are waiting on their unemployment to come in, waiting on that approval. And in the meantime, they don't have income. They don't have a way to feed their families and to provide those essential things for their children that they need to. And so, we're working to be able to help ease some of that for our community. Um, we have an essential business. We actually respond to crises at properties that in an emergency, so a flood, fire, you know, if a vehicle runs into the front of your house seems like it would be rare and yet we have so many every year and also for the coronavirus um, we've done a lot of cleaning um, not just um, preventative but in buildings where they've had positive cases where we've been able to go in and mitigate some of that and not as a plug for my business but just so you'll understand where I'm coming from where our employees have been able to stay working We've you know, been really busy, so that's been very good for us. But at the same time, we recognize that not everybody's in that same situation and we're trying to do what we can to be able to give back to our community uh, and show gratitude for what we've been given, the opportunity that we've had to be able to continue to put food on our tables and provide shelter for our families without that hardship. And Part of this to me that I have really noticed over the course of this last couple months is how important our neighborhoods and our communities are. And I think this is something that maybe has been a little bit lost, something that maybe we've forgotten. You know, I have neighbors that I'm friends with. I have neighbors that I don't even see them. I mean, other than that, I see that there's cars that go in and out of their driveway periodically. I don't see them. They're not out in their yard. We don't see their children. So I have no idea who they are. But what I have noticed is that we can't hang out together. We can't do the things that are comfortable and normal for us, especially coming into summer. There's you know, several families in the neighborhood that like to spend time together. And we're not able to do that uh, like we normally would, but the neighbors reaching out to each other and saying, "You know, how are you doing? Are you okay? Do you have everything that you need?" Um, one of our neighbors is a—they're uh, both uh, flight attendants—and I can't imagine the hit that this has been for their family because nobody's flying, and what happens when people aren't flying is that the airlines can't afford to just continue to fly empty planes around. And so people start to get laid off. You know, that's one family that is impacted. Another one of my friends, uh, uh, their spouse was furloughed and her job takes her into people's homes. And that business basically shut down because nobody wanted anybody in their house. And she's seen some of that come back, but she's had to put things in place that make it possible for her to safely enter someone's home and perform the services that she provides while meeting the safety needs that we've all been facing and those those very unique challenges that we've all come up against and being aware of those issues and being able to reach out to those neighbors and for the individuals who haven't faced the hardship to let the, those who are struggling, know that we're here. What do you need? Have you been able to find toilet paper? Have you been able to find milk? All of these things that have become like a part of our everyday conversation and being able to build those relationships even stronger by being that support and really being there for each other and reaching out. And if you're having a hard time having people that you feel comfortable going to and saying, hey, I haven't been able to find milk at the store for four days. Do you have any extra is a big deal. And we never thought that would be a big deal. I I think the, the food shortages and the inability to get what we need from the grocery store has probably been the most shocking part of this. For me, I really didn't think that a virus would cause this type of a stampede on our resources, but it's been really good for me also to see that the people in my community are there for me and I can reach out to them and they can reach out to me and we've got each other's back. So part of what I wanted to talk about today was what's our survival plan? I think some people have a a pretty strong foundation for survival, while maybe others not as strong. It's why our communities are so important. But the foundation for survival is making sure that you're prepared emotionally, physically, and financially financially for whatever comes. And that is not an easy thing to do and I think that a lot of people don't before the pandemic never even really thought about what are we doing to prepare ourselves in case we can't get food at the grocery store? What are we doing to prepare ourselves in case we're all told that we can't work for the next 2 or 3 months? And going into the summer, we're seeing where they're starting to reopen in phases and yet There's so many people that that doesn't include people who own the small businesses. They don't have the cash flow necessary to be able to take a 50% hit in revenue and remain open long term. And when we're talking about going through the summer with dining, eating, limited limited numbers of people able to go see movies at the movie theater, Can the movie theaters, who their entire business model is based on, we need full theaters this percentage of the time in order to keep everybody employed and keep our doors open, are they going to be able to stay in business and keep operating at 50% of the revenue that they would normally have from doing business? Those are all really big questions. Nobody knows what's What's coming down the road or if there's going to be a resurgence in the fall? Like there's so many unanswered questions. And so the one thing that we can do is work on shoring ourselves up. And the three parts of that um, emotional preparedness, what are we doing to take care of ourselves emotionally? And I think this is one as a mother, as a woman, this is often the one thing that gets put on the back burner, you know we have this running to do list that we are constantly up against. How much are we able to accomplish in a day? I don't know any of you are like me, but I frequently am trying to cram forty eight hours of living into every twenty four hour uh, time period, and it gets a little impossible sometimes. You you feel like you're burning the candle at both ends, and so it's really hard to find that time frame that you need to really like be mindful of yourself. How am I doing emotionally? How am I handling all of this? You know, the worry about, you know, whether I'm going to have a job, whether I'm going to be able to keep going to school, uh, whether or not my kids are in a good emotional place, how are they handling not being able to go to school, not being able to go out with their friends and do the things that they love, Uh, whether or not their jobs are going to still be something that they can do, or if it's going to cause a hardship for them. Because I have a a 21-year-old son who has been hit pretty hard by this financially, and and it's been a struggle. It's one of the things that we worry about. For me, uh, self-care is a tricky issue because of time constraints. And It doesn't make it less important. So one thing that I do for myself is um, I enjoy reading. Um, I used to read a lot of fiction years ago, and I loved fiction. But then someone introduced me to historical fiction, which is stories of real people, real events that they've like dramatized to make it a longer story. And I really enjoyed that. But having children with special needs and going through some of the things that I've gone through, I didn't really have a lot of time for reading. So I really got into reading, you know, parenting books and books about autism and um, books about cancer, different, you know, how to have a, a green home and. Uh, things of that nature that were really pertinent information on how to deal with the situations that I found myself in at different times of my life. Being in school, most of the reading I do is all educational and oftentimes very boring. But I got to get through it. However, I do still love some good historical fiction or like people's stories that they've written about their own lives. Like The Hiding Place was one of my favorite books that I've ever read. I still reference her. We talk to any of my friends there probably tell you how often I reference The Hiding Place when we're talking about this pandemic because her story to me is just so inspiring. But also, I just love people's lives. And when I read a story about... Someone who's faced like this astronomical challenge that most of us are like, oh man, I would never make it through that. And they didn't just survive. They overcame it. Like those those are the stories to me that I really, that really resonate, that I really identify with, uh, especially if they're like someone who never should have been a hero in that story. And yet they had to step up and, and be the hero. So I do try and, and take in like some reading and learning about people's lives, and I find that that gives me a place to go that's like an escape from maybe what I'm dealing with right now. That's not that exciting. Really, it's not that exciting of a pretty, pretty boring day to day life, which I am grateful for. In case anybody's wondering, I've had enough not not boring times to thoroughly appreciate the boring times. I don't know if anybody else has that experience, but when things are like quiet, they're like just trying not to be looking for the other boot to drop, to just like focus on enjoying the quiet moment. So other than the day-to-day busyness, I'm thoroughly enjoying the quiet moment and reading about other people's lives. I'm just... I'm super nosy, so maybe that's why I want to know all of the deets. Tell me all the good stuff about everything you've done and how you done it, because I love it. Um, Anyway, one woman that I've been learning a lot about lately is Alice Paul, who started the National Women's Party because 100 years ago this year, women were finally granted the right to vote. And as I was learning about her, it's like, we've only had the right to vote for a hundred years and we couldn't own property. We had no rights to our own children. We had no say in our own lives. Like, the vast majority of women didn't go to college or receive any sort of training. They just got married and had babies and they had no rights to anything. They were completely dependent on uh, somebody else providing for their support because they didn't have any job skills or. They weren't allowed to go learn anything that would provide an income for them. Alice Paul got arrested um, because they were picketing outside the White House. And Woodrow Wilson wasn't fond of that during World War I. And so he arrested them and they were charged with obstructing traffic. And she was sentenced to nine months of hard labor for obstructing traffic. It's just shocking to me. Because we've come so far that it's now shocking. Nobody was shocked at the time. They just wanted them to shut up and go away. So she organized a hunger strike and they force fed her in in jail by shoving a tube down her throat and dumping raw eggs into her stomach so she didn't die because they didn't want her to die because then she'd be a martyr. And finally, it was able to get out to the press what was happening to her and to the other women that were also being force fed and they were able to be released and president Wilson was willing to work with them. And, and they did get the, the amendment passed and it was ratified to our constitution in 1920. So she's a fascinating figure. And that is what I do to take care of myself. I nose into other people's stories, that they've willingly told and get all the details about what happened to them how they did it how they were successful over the the challenges that people said they would never be able to overcome and do impossible things endure impossible things and do it well that to me is fascinating so what do you do to take care of yourself emotionally because i am interested in learning how other people are taking care of themselves what are your interests what what is it that you like What is it that you like to do? What is it that you like to learn? Where is it on your bucket list that you would like to go? If you can't answer those questions about yourself, now's the perfect time. Take a minute, find out. Ask yourself some of those important questions and try out some new things. Another thing that I do to take care of myself is I plant things. And here in Colorado, have a pretty short growing season. So I don't get to enjoy this. I have like my house plants that I'm pretty proud of, mostly because I come from a period of my life where I couldn't keep a plant alive if my life depended on it. And now I have several successful plants. I call that a win. A win for Lavina to have figured out how to sustain the life of a plant. And now uh, I started gardening when I lived in Las Vegas and it was a miserable failure. I don't know how people garden in Las Vegas, but I lived there for six years and I never successfully grew anything. Now things would grow to a point, but come August, when the 190-degree heat would beat down upon the plants, it did not seem that there was enough water on planet Earth to sustain plants through the brutality of the Las Vegas summers. Now, if any of you live in Vegas and you've successfully grown things, I'm actually interested to know. Because I've asked other people, people that successfully grow things, and they're, they just shrug like they don't know, like, well, I'll just water it. I could not for the life of me figure out how to keep something alive through August in Vegas. And man, if you have some secrets to share, not that I'm ever moving back there, but just for my own peace of mind, so I could figure out what it is that I did wrong to know how it's done. But when I moved to Missouri, a land where things just spontaneously grow, I decided to build my first actual garden and I put in like a whole garden area. And I planted things, never having successfully grown anything in my life, I decided this is the place that it's going to happen. If it's ever possible in my life to grow something, Missouri has to be the place it happens because everything grows there. And sure enough, I had the most spectacular garden and it produced amazing things. And I just fell in love with the process, the process of growing things. Uh, This is my first garden that I've ever planted in Colorado. Um, I did flowers last year. I tried doing flowers before, but I wasn't dedicated. I wasn't dedicated to them. I'll just admit it. I killed those flowers, not on purpose, but just through neglect. They dried up like a stick. So last year, I decided to try again, put a little dedication into it, a little loyalty to the watering process, if you will and they did great. I had beautiful flowers last year. So this year I expanded. I actually planted like some peonies. They won't bloom this year because it's their first year, but I have hope for the future for those fellas. And I've got all kinds of flowers on my front porch, and they are gorgeous. But I built a raised garden in my backyard and planted vegetables, and they were doing splendidly Until those two little evil dogs that belong to my children got in my garden bed. I thought it was a rabbit. I blamed a rabbit, okay? I mean, it made more sense to me that a bunny got in there and like nipped off a few leaves. Maybe got a little excited and pulled up the whole plant. than it did that the dogs would jump up into a really high garden bed and just go to town. And yet, yesterday, there was Tino. He was found. In the garden. I didn't catch him with anything in his mouth, but just his very presence speaks guilt to me. Beyond a reasonable doubt that he is the actual culprit and not the sweet little bunnies. They've never bothered anything. I don't even know if I have a bunny in my yard. I've seen him in the neighborhood, but never in my own yard. So I am absolving the bunnies of guilt, and I'm laying it all on that stinky little dog. So now I have to go get a gate. I have to install a gate in front of the garden area, keep out the naughty little hounds so that I can have a chance at successfully gardening in Colorado. But I will say there's nothing that is quite as rewarding to me as building things, working in the dirt. Not that I want to do it for a job, but just as a pastime for something just because you like to do it. And having something magnificent spring forth from it, it's very, very rewarding. So that's what I do. I take care of plants. I'm figuring out how to keep them alive and help them to prosper. And it's good for my soul. Anyway, self-care is really important. So next week... We're going to be talking about the physical part of preparedness and what that looks like, especially when we're still right in the middle of how do we find a regular supply of toilet paper. And if you're not in a part of the country that's really been struggling with this, man, count your lucky stars. Because here in Denver, it has been a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Uh, Hand sanitizer, you're not finding it. And it's been very good for us to not be so picky. It's taught us really well to not, like, I don't need Charmin. Love Charmin. But I don't need it. And quite frankly, at this point, I would, you know, take a... I don't even know. I don't want to say it. It's so horrible to think about. A thin layer of cardboard would be better than nothing. But I'll take whatever's available as long as we have something. And so, and even, okay, I'll just, brutal honesty, I shopped online for a bidet. I figured if I had a bidet, the world could buy all the toilet paper till their little hearts were content. By golly, we would not struggle because we would have a bidet. And wouldn't you know, all the bidets sold out. You cannot find a bidet online. They are no more. And when they'll be back in stock, I don't know. But we will examine some of these, some strategies to be able to meet our physical needs in the next podcast. So for now, take this time that we've been given and take care of yourself emotionally. Find something that you love to do and spend a little time at it. It's just, it's good for your mind. It's good for your heart. And it's the break that you need to be able to get through the day-to-day stuff and still feel pretty good, still feel pretty relaxed, and be able to cope with everything because we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know how long it's going to be, but we do know that we'll get through it. And if we can make that time a little better by taking care of ourselves emotionally, we'll be all the better for it and we'll be in a better place to make decisions and really look forward as we're coming out of this to decide what pieces of our quote-unquote normal life we're really interested in going back to and what are some things maybe that we can let go of what are some good things that we've realized and learned through all of this that we maybe want to incorporate and make that our new normal anyway i'll catch up with you guys next week thank you for tuning in Follow my page, A Highly Unlikely Life, on Facebook, and you can go visit my website, highlyunlikelylife.com. Take care, and we'll talk soon. If you enjoyed today's episode of The Highly Unlikely Podcast, you can find more by following me on Facebook at A Highly Unlikely Life or find me on the web at A ahighlyunlikelylife.com. And don't forget to subscribe.